Kia ora, and welcome to another exciting episode of How to Save the World with me, Tim Bat. And me, Waveney Worth. This is a podcast all about sustainability, and our aim on this podcast series is to connect people with their power to make a positive change for the planet. Amen, Tim. And we cover all sorts of stuff. Yeah, we do. And today we're doing plant milk. Yeah. Which is so exciting. And and next episode, it's just so rude because it's only November, but is going to be the Christmas special. I think that is the perfect time to do it. Anyway. Anyway. So. Maybe you'll do plant milk as your Christmas present for some people the, uh, this year. That's a great idea. Because we're about to find out. You've got to get your right doable. person though. Eh? That's <laughs> true. might not be so It could be an introduction into plant milk for them. Yeah. So, um, this is a topic that it's one of the most common questions that um, listeners write in about and ask about. It's something that I end up in my little bubble of veganism, even though I'm not a vegan, it still happens to me, where we end up talking about it all the time. And there's just been this explosion, yeah, of of plant milk. Um, There's been this this rising suspicion of dairy over the last decade. Um, And... There is confusion, I'd say, quite a, a bit of confusion on is plant milk better than dairy in all of the ways, in all of the situations. Um, and so that's definitely something we want to address today because it won't just be, um, there'll be, there'll be dairy milk drinkers listening today wondering whether they should be making the switch. I just wanted to address some of that stuff. And then also within that plant milk world, there's a lot of, you hear a lot of rumour around, oh, maybe this one's not as good or, you know, maybe there's some issues with this or that. Um, I've certainly heard and seen some reports coming through on some of the issues. But you've looked into it. Yeah, I've looked into it. We've got it. the good info for you. Yeah, so, so we can put those rumours to bed. At once and for all, for at least 2020. So it's, it's a hot topic and um, I think that... It's a good thing to discuss. So today we've got the stats and facts coming from some good peer-reviewed people out there, the reports. The science, uh, yeah, the journals, hook, the real Hooking in with um, Oxford University reviews, Our World in Data, the, uh, and then some great um, credible organisations like Consumer.org here in New Zealand, Wikipedia, uh, BBC Science and The Guardian, to name a few. To name Butterfield. That was just a that was just a wee name drop. Uh, <laughs> so, um, just to give you some idea of how much plant milk's growing in the US in 2018, it grew just in one year. That category grew by fifty five zero percent. Dang, it's full on, eh? That's and currently, it's about fifteen percent of the overall market. Wow, that's more than I would have thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, it's really interesting in terms of cow milk; it's dropping. So, again, US statistic in nineteen sixty six, average person would consume one hundred and thirty liters of milk in a year, and now that's down to sixty six liters. That's down by a lot. It is. But then, I mean, is that partly, is US more ethnically diverse than what it was back in the 1960s? Does that have, make a difference? Well, yeah, because um, us whiteies, we, 90% of Northern Europeans have that genetic mutation, so drinking milk as an adult's no problem, but two globally, two-thirds of the world don't have it. Oh, Wow. So we're going to be looking at today from a sustainability perspective, which is the best 
seed or nut or whatever for plant milk. Um, and because I'm such a happy generalist, I can't help myself. We're going to be throwing in information on taste and affordability and health because it. Like what's the point of just getting one little data variable because, you know, you need it all knitted together, eh? Totally. We yeah. need context. Context. Um, like we're not martyrs. If it tastes crap, then we're probably not going to do it. That's it. Yeah. So, um, and we're actually going to, we're going to do a taste test today. I've, right. I've, so I've made up, so DIY, I've made up seven different plant milks mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll give them a whirl. You just made them at home by yourself. Yeah, I did. We'll get into that, but it's super easy. Great. Um, and that's one of the things I wanted to cover off today too. So also wanted to look at how much of a difference or does it even matter about whether you're buying local or organic um, or because it does cost more so we need to dig in to see if it's actually worth it mm-hmm. um, and then yeah how to make your own and because as you know I've just got this major issue around faffing about in the kitchen so looking to see if we can do some life hacks on making our own plant milk you like things to be easy I do because then you're going to do it yeah, if it's easy you'll keep doing if, it you know there's lots of foodie podcasts out there this isn't one of them this yeah. is just yep we want to do the right thing and it's fine it's yeah. over the line everyone <laughs> let's just keep going um, and al- also um, we will be looking at like it's a super practical episode this one because we're going to look at actually how to buy local and package free and actually going to get into some cool people farming doing stuff right here in New Zealand right yeah because I think often we think of it as um oh it's got to be in some tetra pack from the supermarket mm. but um yeah we'll get into that I think um I'm hoping to convince us all that there's easier cheaper tastier healthier ways great yeah so but first up let's set the scene um most of, or a lot of us have seen Cowspiracy or, or similar documentaries, and a lot of listeners will be, like I said, milk drinkers, considering whether or not to switch. So, is dairy Soy milk curious. all that bad? Yeah. Um, in a nutshell, yes, it is. Um, it's if you look at bar graphs comparing dairy milk to, you know, rice, soy, oat milk, almond milk, that kind of thing. In fact, there is one Oxford study that um, does exactly that. You can see visually, um, without even doing the maths, that dairy milk's got to be three or four times worse, depending it, on the variable. What is it measuring? Like, so Are we looking for, at water use? Um, or? Yeah, for, for well, um, this particular study has um, three variables. So emissions, mm-hmm. um, land use, and water use. And, um, yeah, it's just off the charts with all of them. Um, we're going to get into the nuances of the various nuts and things and seeds soon comparing them with each other but if you're just comparing dairy with the others then you can see there's quite a clear reason to not be having dairy um oh actually i'll just i don't want to throw too many stats in there but here's an here's one example one liter of cow's milk to create one liter is 1050 liters of water holy shit it's crazy eh yeah and by comparison, this is also nuts. Like crazy, or like, like sorry, crazy. <laughs> yeah, uh, one liter of soy milk uses two hundred and seventy nine liters of water. Like so, okay, clearly better, but like, I mean, how is that sustainable? Yeah. Anyway, we'll get in. We'll get into that. But it, it's just you know, it'd be good if we can just come up with something that is actually like sustainable, not just better. Yeah. Yeah. 
a thousand about a little over a thousand liters of yeah. water to make yeah. one, one liter, liter of cow's yeah. milk. Yeah. And, and what was um, uh, soy the soy again? milk was two hundred and seventy nine. Gotcha. So a quarter. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. But still nuts. I'm going to try and not say nuts again in this episode because okay. it's confusing. <laughs> absurd. It's absurd. Um, That's absurd. So there is a caveat here, and I do want to pick up the dairy milk thing later because, as you know, I actually am a cow milk drinker. Yes. Sometimes. Um, I also drink plant milks. Um but I'm not. I don't hardcore avoid it, um, and so I'm going to circle back around to it because even though um, if you look at these, there are overseas statistics, and they're not considering farming methods, um, and so I think it's important to consider those things as well. Um, but honestly, if you just want a quick rule of thumb, then yeah, plant milk. Go plant milk. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we is, already know plant milk is the better way to go, but there's a lot of options within that category. That's right. And and actually a, a huge a week it can make a huge difference. Some of them are pretty environmentally disastrous mm-hmm. actually and then others are actually looking pretty good. Okay. Um so there there is a huge number of options. I was always already having a bit of an inkling about that. Um but I just didn't quite realise the extent to which you can pretty much make milk out of any Grain, legume, seed, or nut. Can I try and rattle off ones I know? Well, Wikipedia lists 36 plant milk options. I'm not going to hit 36. No. Uh, go, go for it Here's then. the ones I know. Soy, oat, almond, rice. I'm done. Gosh. You are going to do a lot of learning. There's barley, oat, rice, rye, buckwheat, quinoa, peanut, um, Brazil, cashew, but any nut, hazelnut, macadamia, across the earth though. Chia seed, flaxseed, hemp seed, pumpkin seed, sesame seed, sunflower seed, and coconut. And then how about this? Wikipedia lists potato. I don't, I don't, I didn't want to try that one. I Fair don't, I think that's going too far. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're just going to start off comparing apples with apples, which I mean, um, we're just going to look at the best out of all of those options without comparing other variables like the farming methods or where it was farmed or anything like that. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll just get into... Um, so like within one region, for example, because a lot of these stats I imagine are from the States. Um, well, we'll just go to whatever region they, they mostly come from. Yeah, um, gotcha. But, um, you know, like obviously if you're going to compare an organically grown sunflower seed in New Zealand, that's going to be better than a Californian grown inorganic almond. So we're just going to start off by comparing just the different types without um, trying to complicate things too much. Gotcha. First of all, let's do soya. Okay. And I wanted to start with that because it was the first one in. Like you said, it was one of the ones you know. Um, when it got big, um, sort of 20-odd years ago, it was because some, a group actually of industrial food scientists sat down and decided which one they were going to pick, and they ran all of these tests and all these various different options. And soy was picked because it was most nutritionally comparable to cow's milk and also com- performed the, in the most similar way, um, which is interesting because I think you were saying it's the best one for coffee, if you want to try and froth the milk, yeah, yeah, it's pretty hard to get them to froth up, eh? Yeah, um, but it's turns out that it's it's a common food allergen, unlike a lot of the others. Um, and apparently, it doesn't taste very good. So I say apparently because it's 
practically impossible to get hold of actual soybeans to make your own and taste this for yourself. But when you're buying store-built soy milk, um, it's almost always got added sugar and thickness and other additives to get it to imitate the dairy and to get it to sort of get rid of that beany taste. You can get unsweetened soy milk if that's your jam, if you want to go clean as. It's yeah. quite common now. I yeah, see uh-huh. that, like the macro brand, which is the one I yep. buy for most stuff. Yeah. That's um, definitely, yeah, that's right Oh, that's to good. Normal. And do you know, just, I don't want to get into it too much at this point, but is it just soy and water? As or? far as I know, yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's good because that's sort of one of my issues I guess is that often there's just so much stuff added in Um, but soy also contains this estrogen like uh, compound that can mimic hormones effects in humans and that discovery I think most listeners would be like oh yeah yeah because that has sort of spread fears around it and um, fears of being feminized um, or whatever and it's quite interesting because from what I could read the clinical studies are saying that this is really overstated that fear Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You have to be consuming so much soy for it to have any impact on your estrogen levels. Yeah. Um, having said that, it's, it has fallen out of favour probably for those reasons. Um, but just my only point I would add to that would be to say that it's really important where you get your where your where the soybeans are sourced from because um, it's a massive crop globally and um, it, there, uh, rainforests do get cleared for soy plantations um, and the best way would be to check the origin on the packet and go for a temperate zone and if you can then buy fair trade and organic because that would be your only way to really make sure that um, you're not clearing a rainforest accidentally Um, next up is almond which is also the second one in in terms of popularity. I've heard bad things about almond. Mm, it's tasty. There's a few things to say. I've, um, bu- I've heard bad things. Yeah, so currently really rapid growth in New Zealand um, and globally guess what? I was really surprised by this. Globally almond milk accounts for two thirds of all plant milk sales. Whoa, so it's more than soy. Yeah, well, I think maybe soy. in New Zealand we're, um, we're not embracing it as much as Others, perhaps. Huh. Um, Huge in California. Yeah. They so bloody love the that's stuff. That's where almond growers are from, and that's where most of our almonds come from. Um, so when soy got all that bad press, basically these Californian growers saw the opportunity, and they launched this obscenely successful marketing campaign, and they had a lot of funding, and they published research, all showing the health benefits of almonds, and it became, and they really successfully made almonds this overnight sort of, health sensation so yeah most of our almonds come from california and australia notably both quite dry areas Mm. um but almond milk requires a lot of water to produce yeah Yeah, way more than others and so okay tim imagine one single almond in the palm of your hand got it how much water do you think it takes to grow that nut oh my god i shudder to think i don't know like a liter Four and a half litres. So almost for a, one nut. Yeah, for one nut. It's staggering. So a single glass requires seventy four litres. Um anyway. So California's obviously very drought prone and this is having an effect. Um the growers in California supply eighty percent of the world's almonds and they are currently 
consuming about 10% of California's entire water supply. Whoa. Yeah. And there's another crazy thing going on with the almonds, and that is, have you heard about the bees? And it's got a really... So more than any other crop in California, it's got the highest use of glyphosate, like Roundup, um, of any crop. Roundup has been shown to be lethal to bees and is causing cancer in humans. Um, Now, that is something that could be a little bit controversial, but actually cancer sufferers are now starting to win battles against Monsanto. Uh, So it's like shifting, I think, in terms of what is okay to say about Mm -hmm. that. Um, So unfortunately, the bees are dying in huge numbers, and it's just a big nasty monocrop really so yeah. again it's really important to think about um how it's being farmed where it's coming from so anyway consumers are on the move again um they've they've heard these rumors and things and uh, they heard soy was bad we moved yeah. on to almond yeah. and almond was killing all the bees so now we're on the hunt yeah once what do you, again. well there's a couple that are well let's, let's talk about rice first actually because that's a bit of a slow burner it's yeah. been it's not very spectacular it's been around for a while it does actually really well on your land use it's one of the best sort of i guess bangs for buck in terms of calorie per acre that's good yeah and uh, but it's also a thirsty crop um and it interestingly produces more greenhouse gas emissions than any other plant milk. Whoa. Yeah. Did um, not know that. And um, I wouldn't have guessed that. I would have thought that rice would be, like, pretty good. It's the bacteria breeding in the rice paddies that pump methane into the atmosphere. That makes sense. Should we go on to oat? Okay. I've heard Uh, good things about oat. Oat's the big new star. Yeah. Um, It has good natural carbs, fat, protein, and fiber. Um... But hey, it's not a health review, and it is less. But oh, actually, because of that, it's less likely to need added stuff. Right. Okay. So, it, like cow's milk, it's got its own natural sugar, um, and so far, it's devoid of scandal, um, and uh, it is low in protein. But I, I, one nutritionist actually said the best thing I read about all of this. She said, "No one, as an adult." You're not. You just drink. You just have milk because you want a bit of something in your tea or coffee. Yeah, like, you're, not you're not drinking not, milk for it's protein. It's not for protein. Yeah. You know. So maybe it's if like, you're a baby. Cares? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a newborn yeah. baby does, but yeah. that's about it. So um, the Guardian has done a really, you know, their long reads. They yeah. um, they've done a really good one called White Gold: The Unstoppable Rise of Alternative Milks, which I really recommend to anyone who's extra interested to go and uh, check out. Link in the episode description. Absolutely, and it tells the story of Oatly, which is a Swedish plant milk company who rapidly rose to fame from obscurity. Um, in fact, they became a sensation overnight and despite ramping up production by I've never seen a percentage this big for this sort of thing one thousand two hundred and fifty percent over eighteen months they couldn't keep up with demand. Can you imagine? So so in other words times Twelve times growth over. Did you say a year? A year and a half to two months. Yeah Yeah, to two years. Far out. Yeah. So it's 
It's gone nuts. Isn't it inc- <gasps> oh, no. You said nuts again. Isn't it incredible watching this huge conglomerate of consumers move from, like... It is. ...as a block? Yeah. From yeah. plant milk to plant milk? Yep. And then I don't know if anyone listening was with us way back at the beginning. Our sepa- second episode ever was on palm oil. And one of the things that really struck me from that episode when we got down into it was that it's not necessarily palm oil that's the problem it's the way we consume things Mm. on mass and we all just go from one big thing to the next and these huge monocrops that we as a consumer never see and don't really understand but um yeah it's a lack of diversity is the problem like a lot of things it is it is and there's some that are just naturally better than others so anyway let's let's look into the uh metrics for oat it actually performs pretty well this is a weird one i've realized that grows in a temperate climate is a really good thing for sustainability. Okay. And when we get into like coconut, that's coming up next actually, and cashew, all these ones that are um, from tropical places, they're usually more dodgy. It's just it's a good rule of thumb. Dodgy in what way? This is from the well, environmental impact yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get into it, but yeah, totally. Um, so, and the other cool thing about oats, which is again not intuitive but it's a real strength is that there's already huge amounts of it growing so mm. when the the sort of the trend comes on they're not having to take that food acreage away from somewhere else because that food is mostly already growing for stock gotcha mm. like in the case of almonds they had to sort of claim that land from other uses and, and mm. quickly put mm. it into almond mm. growing mm. I think from what I could read it's lo- it really performs probably the best or one of the best that's what I've heard yeah I've heard yeah. that oats it's like number one. one and we can get them here in New Zealand which we'll get into mm. um, the only drawback I think is if you're getting your oats from a mass produced monoculture um, which would be aka non-organic um, they are my understanding is that they are usually sprayed with Roundup which is that pesticide right before harvest which is something you might want to you know it's good to be aware of mm. um, so the next one is coconut by the way I'm doing DIY of all of these so we're going to taste test all of these but I didn't do soy because it's hard to get the soybeans and I also didn't do coconut because I thought well it's it's just coconut so anyway, we're not doing that one. But so um, coconut is popular here in New Zealand. It's the fastest growth in the New Zealand plant milk section, along with almond. Um, and because coconut trees only grow in tropical climate climates, um, the pressure to meet global demand is causing destruction of rainforests and uh, exploitation of workers, uh, I guess because of that um, Link between those developing countries and mm. the the, um, the climate, yeah. And and have you heard of coconut slave monkeys? No. So it's a real thing. Google it. I didn't believe it, but I was actually speaking with a supermarket supplier recently, who just casually said, "Oh no, we're out of stock. Uh, we're, they're, they're having apparently they're having trouble with coconut slave monkeys." Like they've unionized or. Is it what I think it is? It, is it literally a bunch of monkeys that they've enslaved? To, yes, to and they chain the them to the tree and they run up the trees? That is cooked. Isn't it? Oh, man, it's so grim. I'm not saying that all 
of the companies. I'm not saying it's yeah. a ubiquitous thing, but um, it does seem to be a thing. Like it's very horrifying. I don't like that. It's bad enough we're enslaving our own species. No, I've never heard of it. such a thing. Um, coconut slave monkeys. Oh, I couldn't believe it. That is nuts. It wow, did. dang it. I see that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cashews. Speaking um, of. So, from Brazil, same issues, basically, as coconuts because they're from the tropics. Um, so it comes with the exploitation of workers. And so please buy fair trade and organic um, if you're making that those choices. Um, and in... India alone, there's more than a million workers um, that shell cashews as their full-time jobs. But I think the biggest production is actually from Vietnam. Um, And the average worker, it's something that's done by hand still, the average worker produces 80 kg of cashew nuts per day. So that's over 52,000 processed by hand per person per day. Um, And in 2011... The Human Rights Watch uh, had an inquiry and they uncovered massive human rights abuses in Vietnam. This is almost as absurd. In fact, I really did a lot of fact checking on this because it, it, it's, it's almost as absurd as the um, coconut slave monkeys. But so in Vietnam, they have drug addicts that are sent to rehab without any um, judicial oversight for two to five years and they're forced to work in these cashew factories. Um, and so when they looked into it, um, there was just the uh, abuses that you might expect in that sort of awful situation of beatings, electrocution and isolation if people weren't working that eight to ten hours a day. Um, yeah. God. So so that's bad enough. But the problem is, is that, you know, there's, there's slim margins because we all want to always buy the cheapest thing we can. Um and usually they don't have adequate protective gear and cashew nuts contain caustic chemicals that with, you know, too much touching and use begin to burn the flesh. Oh, my God. It turns out that um, they are actually quite toxic. So that if you eat a, just a raw, like straight from the tree cashew nut, it can burn your throat and mouth. Um, and so there's a roasting process that takes place, and that process is also toxic. And so it's quite common for entire families that are involved in these industries, including the kids, to endure this excruciating pain in their hands and um, even into their bodies. Is that because of a natural thing that's in the nut, or is it something we're adding? No, no, it's a natural thing in the nut. Um, it, there's three caustic components um, of it, which I could... Yikes. get into but it's you know suffice to say it's not um, good it's not good and just a note on other nuts we're not covering them particularly because i had to draw a line somewhere with the 39 different types of milk listed in wikipedia but hazelnuts they're apparently quite a good milk it's nice and creamy and but expensive um and they're pretty robust trees that don't need much pesticide or any perhaps um peanuts they're a legume they create their own fertilizer so they're actually quite good too um and then brazil nuts i i didn't really research into this very thoroughly but they need apparently they need their own ecosystem intact 
So they're actually by when you buy Brazil nuts, you could well be actually supporting farmers and the rainforest actually just stay intact because they need, they need all of it. these other plants they, yeah, to generate. Yeah, they wow. can't. They haven't worked out how to farm them. Okay. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then that must make them phenomenally expensive. I would guess they are a bit on the expensive side, but not phenomenally. Um, then sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds, and buckwheat. I'm going to do together. It's very quick. They're all good. Great. Um, yeah. So once also read was that pumpkin and buckwheat were they just rated it as sustainable, and then sunflowers as pretty good. It's moderately sustainable. So perhaps um, if you're going for gold, you go for pumpkin or buckwheat. So that's just going by greenhouse gas emissions, land use, and water use. Um, yeah. So there you go. In a nutshell. <laughs> that was all right because I meant to. So the next thing I thought we could get into is actually looking at farming practices mm-hmm. because we really, I, I feel that it's really important to dig into. Not just that this is better than that, but that big picture, you know, like we're so aware of the problems around monocrops and bees and things. So why not actually look at how we might be able to avoid them? Um, And I've got to fess up here, actually, Tim, because I came into this with a theory that um, the more, and I was quite convinced I was right, actually, that um, the more important factor is how you farm and where you farm, uh, but not what you farm. So for example... I thought that perhaps I could prove that it would be better to buy cow's milk in a returnable glass bottle from your local regenerative farmer than any type of plant milk conventionally farmed with pesticides and herbicides, you know, killing bees, killing soil microbes, um, and in some cases felling rainforests, um, and all, almost always coming to us in a tetra pack with this carbon footprint from travelling halfway around the world. Um so that's what I... That was your hypothesis going into hypothesis. this research. That was my hypothesis, yeah. It just sounded to me, which is why I drink milk, because that's what I believe. Um, but I found out that it's actually fraught. Like, it's not easy. It's not easy to prove that. I look, I, I've spoken with the Life Cycle Association of New Zealand, the Organic Dairy and Pastoral Group of New Zealand, Fonterra as well. And then we've also got these awesome organic dairy farmers that are often in touch with me um, via the show. Um, I spoke with them and actually it turns out that we're really short on data here in New Zealand um, and we're missing locally based comprehensive studies. So basically people can have a hunch but it's it's just tricky to prove. Um, but what I can say is that It is really important to buy local. So even without considering farm practices in New Zealand, um, New Zealand cows have a great carbon footprint. Relatively, so and that's mainly due to the grazing being available all year round. When you say relatively, they have a great carbon footprint compared to other cows around the world. Yes, um, so the global average is almost three times um, what the New Zealand average is. Uh, So it is just under a kilo of carbon emitted for a liter of milk. Really, this is a good critical analysis process for you, Tim. There is something missing in that statistic. Yeah. So we talk all of the other stats we're talking about greenhouse gas emissions and yeah. this is talking about carbon emissions. So it's a it's a statistic that 
that doesn't actually include all of the greenhouse gas emissions. And of course, methane is a big one. Oh, so that's not CO2 equivalent. That's no, just it's not CO2 equivalent. CO2. It's just CO2. That's pretty yeah. bloody selective. It's still comparative. If you're, if you're just looking at New Zealand cows versus internationally, then... Yeah, 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 yeah. sure, sure. So you can sure. see, you can see that there's a, a difference. Sure, but... This whole conversation is around comparing dairy milk to non-dairy milk, right? So, like, that's great that our cows are doing well compared to other cows internationally. Yeah, yeah. But Uh, but the thing is, is that my point is, is that we're missing. So whenever we look at the, the, the statistics of dairy versus plant, it's always international statistics. Um, so it's it's just worth clocking like I've already I've already said right at the start rule of thumb plant milk you've right? seeded that ground yeah, I have seeded I have seeded that ground um but and so back to just regardless of whether it's a cow or plant milk um the other thing to consider is is there's actually the carbon footprint of the shipping as mm. well so it's another great reason to buy local um and then of course there's the whole out of sight out of mind like you're not look if, if you've bought a product that is grown here in New Zealand you're avoiding the coconut slave monkeys, the drug addicts, the you know the the bees dying on mass in California, like all that stuff that we don't know about. I don't. I never think as consumers we have, should be researchers. It just should be easy. So just buying locals a great way to just know that you that you you're probably not going to be accidentally partaking in a whole bunch of crazy stuff. Yeah, in New Zealand we're quite uniquely positioned to hold to account the producers of all the stuff as well, to hold them to a pretty high standard and when they fail to actually take some action so yeah. they change that. Yeah, that's right. not the case everywhere in the world. Yeah. And it's so so important to buy local. The next thing is that it's really important how it's farmed. So there was an Oxford University study looking at reducing the food's environmental impacts globally, and they found that the impact can vary 50-fold among producers of the same product. So let's say you're farming almonds. Yep. They found that the impact of farming almonds can vary 50-fold or 50 times depending on how it's farmed. Whoa. Okay. So – and. Incredible amount of variability within within, almonds. and so that is way. So this is back to my point. This is way more than the average difference between the products themselves, right? An ag research and Massey University study on dairy on dairy intensification in Waikato showed that the most variable impact. Because um, they they did a similar thing where they looked at all of these variables and they found that the variable that was most impacted was actually fresh water quality. So so so, so from from that that study, not all of the variables are impacted by fifty fold. Yeah, but fresh the, water the quality was yeah that had the so biggest variable. And what does that mean exactly? Fresh water quality is that like the water? Coming out of it, it's, 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 what does it's, that mean? it was actually looking at ecotoxicity, right? And so, in other words, how well can that water support life? So, water that is on the land where the stuff is being farmed, no, waterways, how how, Sur- how the farming is impacting waterways? Oh, surrounding waterways yep, from yep. the farms. Okay, yeah. So gotcha. here in New Zealand, we have Mike Joy advocating um, in that space and others, um, and most of the impacts. 
came, and this is from the study, um, and the, we're sorry, sorry, we're back to cows, but it, it's interesting. Most of the impact came from off-farm inputs, and they're not used in regenerative ag uh, typically. Like so, for example, off-farm feeds like palm kernel um, or use of agrochemicals. Um, so, does off-farm just mean anything you need to bring in? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so, if we think back to those. Honeybee deaths in in US with the almonds. It's not because they're farming almonds, right? It's because they're farming a monocrop. This is like the New Zealand police air campaign. It's not the drinking, it's how we're drinking. (laughs) It's not the almonds, it's how we're almondsing. Yes. That's exactly right. It's a, it's a, any mono crop is a fragile system that's reliant on pesticides to thrive. Um, of course, some crops there's a variability there, and some are better than others. And almonds are a bad one, but but that's but basically as a concept. Yeah, mono crops yeah, are terrible. Yeah, yeah. We've got this um, author shout out to one of our listeners, um, Hamish Belsky, who often will comment on stuff we say, and he's a, a regenerative farmer here in New Zealand. And he says that what we really need is to mimic nature when we farm. Yeah. And that is all about diversity and it is about integrating plants and animals. But it's yeah. it's about balance, right? And of just, course. just some just some of them, not like these ridiculous sort of the way we are at the moment with so much of our world acreage going up to even feeding cows. Yeah. But you know, it's 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 just that there's a place for it. Um and I think um if you're gonna, if you, I guess to to summarise, if you want to avoid inadvertently supporting practices that don't align with your ethics, then either if you go, if you want to carry on choosing products from the tropics, then go for fair trade um, or certified organics. Um, but otherwise, you re- I think it's about buying local and organic. Or even better, if you were at a farmer's market, you could talk to the farmer about their farming practices. Yeah. Yeah. Would it almost be a good rule of thumb to go for like the smallest supplier you can find in a way? Like the smaller, the better? <laughs> I think so. That's a, that's me personally speaking. Because well, that's kind of the concept I'm getting. Because these monocrops happen because big business comes in and goes, if yeah. we can make a little bit of money yeah. from growing a little, we can make a lot of money from growing a lot. Yeah, yeah. But then when it, but on the flip side, you've got these amazing people. You see them on Country Calendar, favourite show now, <laughs> um, where people are doing incredible stuff on regenerative agriculture blocks and mm. some fairly big um, farms with scale. Yeah, there's um, some stuff you do need economies of scale to yeah, make yeah, that's right. sellable. But it's not it's not that massive, massive mm. scale. And it's one of the questions people ask is how do we scale this? And yeah. it's like, mm, do we need to? But anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think – I don't think I can prove or disprove my hypothesis particularly – well, after having looked at it all through, I have realised that it's it's. I mean, this would be a great PhD it's for someone to actually try and quantify and nail down stats on regenerative farming, preferably in New Zealand. One of the things is that it's holistic, like holistic health, so it's notoriously hard to isolate variables. Mm. Um, so, what you're doing at the moment with your dairy milk consumption habits? Are you sourcing local milk? Yes, and it's, it's and it's in a reusable glass, and it's jar. from like smaller producers yes. who are doing yes. it in a sustainable, yes, yeah, way. Yep. That's right. So, yeah, it certainly looks possible. I think you could say that consuming thoughtfully small amounts of the very best of our 
local organic regeneratively farmed cow's milk is better than the worst of conventionally farmed stuff from overseas in the Tetra Packs, blah, blah, blah. But if you want to take a real simple exactly. takeaway from this, yeah. plant milk is... The, indisputably, the best option would be to source local organic raw ingredients right here in New Zealand like oats and pumpkin seeds. And I'd say I'd add to that, make it yourself. Because How hard is that? Okay. Are we going to talk about that? Yeah, shall we talk about that? Yeah. We, before we do that, do you want? Should we just? Do you want to cover off the health aspect and yeah. the, the budget? Because actually, they both feed into the whole DIY thing. So, for health, you know, caveat: not a nutritionalist. It's the wrong podcast for anyone wanting the lowdown on healthy eating. It's a thing in itself. But in brief, um, this is cool. Um, for the cow milk drinkers out there that are trying to decide if they should make the switch, often it comes down to health, and it really does look like the science isn't there yet. Um, there's this food researcher and historian, Mark Kolansky, um, and he says it's all bogus. Um, this is what's bogus, the health claims about plant milk. Well, he says, this is a quote, a lot of scientists think the thing about how children have to drink cow's milk is bogus. This idea that it makes you big and strong is clearly bogus. On the other hand, this idea that milk is bad for you, so I'm going to drink almond milk or soy milk or something, that's bogus too because it's a totally different food. So his summary is that if you're going to use it, those health reasons, uh, sort of if you're going to get it on your high horse either way, which, you know, there's a lot of that going on, um, that was one voice just saying. Neither camp has yeah, particularly strong it's like, it's evidence. It's just so loaded, isn't it, by industry trying to, Push product, right? Um, and that classic "which one is best" question. If you just say, "Look at the plant milks," and you're trying to work out which one's best, it's such a typically, it's just such a classic human question, isn't it, to want to know? But I'd like to put out there. I just think it's the totally wrong question to ask because if we just step back and look at Earth's plant species, we've got four hundred thousand. Of those, we could eat 300,000 of them. Yet, humans, which we're superb generalists, we're only choosing to eat about 200 species globally. Grim. And half of all of our plant source calories come from just three. What? So, go for diversity. That is wild. So, What are the three? Do you know? Um... Corn, rice, and wheat, or maize. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that, that question of what's the best one, it's like just switch it up, you know, whatever, if you land on a favourite. But once we get into this making your own, I think there's a case for the diversity because it's so easy. The, the ratio, the, nothing changes. It's just like, oh, maybe I'll it's just, just grab a bit of this from the cupboard today or a bit yeah. of that, um, and you're not really sort of having to think much about it. Um, there's another aspect to the DIY thing and the health thing, and this is just a personal thing, and it's about applying that precautionary principle. I just personally prefer to avoid the emulsifiers and the gums and the sugars that are often found in the store-bought products. Not always, but... Um, and that's why I like making my own, because it's I know exactly what's gone into it. Mm-hmm. And um, it is better for you, even just if you consider how much of the good stuff you put in. Yeah, so, and a freshness Yeah, Yeah, that's true too. Um, usually those store-bought brands, um, like for example, if it's almonds, they've got 
well, the lower end would be three to five percent of almonds, and that's the rest is just water and emulsifiers and stuff. Um, but if you're making it at home, it's about oh a quarter, twenty five percent. Right. Um, money. If you buy right now, as of today, a standard liter of cow's milk at Pack and Save, it's going to cost you two dollars and twenty eight cents. If you want to do the same thing but organic, then it will only be $3.15. It's not much more, is it? It's not much more. It is a little bit. Yeah. Um, And then I just did one other comparison at Pack and Save. I looked at a coconut milk organic, um, and you can buy that for if it's a litre for $5.29. So that's a big jump up. Mm-hmm. Um, what were you paying? Soy milk. Yeah, for a liter, it's yeah. like two eighty. Okay, or, cool. Or, or it goes on special for about two fifty. Okay, great. Good, good price point. Um, if we make our own, um, and assuming it's organic, because I've I've, just, I've done some price comparisons and they're all organic. Um, if to make up a liter, it ranges from. Forty cents up to two dollars, depending on whether you're using almonds, which is the most expensive thing, through to rice, which is the cheapest. Wow! Rice, actually, rice and oats. Yeah, oats is really yeah, cheap. Yeah, so isn't it? Uh, that's another thing I like about oats. I think it's going to be best in show. That's yeah. my gut feeling on this. Uh, we'll see how it tastes, um, but it's cheap. So rice and oats are super cheap. Um, sunflower is actually really cheap too. That's only fifty cents. Um, Shoot, that is that's way cheaper than yeah, I would have thought. Yeah, and then buckwheat. This is an interesting one. I tasted that for the first time when I made it up for this episode because I've given them all a little pre-taste test, and um, I was very surprised by buckwheat. Almost didn't throw it in because I was like, ah, it's too weird. Yeah, but, um, I've never it, had it. Oh well, I have it just at home anyway. We use it like just as oh, just rotate it around like we would with rice yeah. um, or quinoa. Um, and so I had it in the cupboard anyway. And oh no, sorry, I've eaten it. I haven't had it as rice as, oh, uh, as milk. milk. I oh, mean. I see, I yeah. see. Um, yeah, so that's seventy-five cents a litre if you're making it yourself. And that's that is, um, or perhaps I should have said this from the start. That is the cheapest you can get it if you are in a co-op, like, and you're getting the wholesale prices. Okay. Um, and you're buying bulk. Um, if you, but it's interesting. There's not a huge difference because I also looked at Huckleberry. Could yeah. have could have gone anywhere. So shout out to all those other awesome um, organic retailers out there. Um, but I just checked them out online and looked at their prices for their loose stuff. Mm-hmm. So you can go along and get almonds, buckwheat, cashews, sunflower, pumpkin seeds, oats, or rice. Um, and to have to make up one liter. You're looking at four dollars thirty for the most expensive, which was cashew, and then almonds was three bucks. Um, but they're really the only expensive ones. Um, and three bucks is approaching dairy milk. Yes, pumpkin pumpkin price. seeds was over a dollar at um, one dollar and sixty eight cents, but still cheaper than like you're buying your. Soy milk. Yeah. Yeah. Cheaper um, than a Tetra Pak and quite a bit cheaper than dairy milk. And then all of these ones were under a dollar um, for a litre, which is super cheap. So buckwheat, sunflower seeds, oats, and rice. 
sub one dollar per liter. Mm. That's wicked cheap. You could go to plant milk purely for economic reasons. Absolutely, J- just to save money. Yeah, you could wa- be doing this. way cheaper than a conventionally farmed family pack at Pack and Save of of um, dairy milk. So shall we go and do the taste testing? Yeah, hell yeah. So the best way to control your inputs, know what you're putting in, know where it was farmed, and of course how it was farmed. It's cheaper. It avoids the packaging. It's very hard to argue that it's not better for you. The best way to do that is DIY. So that's what we're going to do now. Okay, we're back. We've got everything. We are staring in front of us a whole lot of bottles a Sharpie, some cups, a tea, and a coffee. And we're going to do some experiments. Yep. A double blind taste it's, test. Oh, I'm so excited about the double blind thing. It's buckwheat, oats, cashew, haz- uh, almond, and then three more. Oh, sunflower seed, pumpkin seed, and... You got like a rice? Rice, or a, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the non-faffy things is um, to try and see if we can get away with sieving without sieving them or putting yeah. them through that cheesecloth. And so some of them were just clearly needing it. So um, I've sieved a couple. And then others were a bit marginal and we didn't sieve them. All right. Number one, cheers. Ooh. Gosh, that's interesting doing it blind. Hmm. It tastes kind of... Sprouty to me. Yeah, I can get a bit of that. Did it separate? No, it's mm, actually blended good. quite well. Yeah, it's, good. it's giving it a good coffee colour, number one. Not yeah, crazy good, good, about the taste. Good tea colour too, and one? it hasn't separated, which is awesome. I'm guessing for number one, rice. Okay. Is that enough? Yep, that's heaps. Thank you all. Oh, I do not like that one. Yeah, that one needed a strain, I think. It's got a, a funny aftertaste, mm. actually. This is a good colour. Oh, I don't like that matchup, though, I've got to say. I'm guessing that's oat, which I actually really like. I just don't think it hasn't been strained enough. All right, number three's got a, a good milky colour to it. Mmm. I think I do like it. It's certainly not sprouty, like mm. that first one. It's less... I think this is going to perform better in tea. All right, so number three, I'm going to guess... I'm going to guess cashew just because it tasted expensive and rich to me. <laughs> Okay, number four, number four. So this is this here? Yep. Okay, cool. Thank you very much. This is pretty Ooh. good. Oh, that just tastes like milk. Yeah. I was thinking about doing that, putting a milk one in. Um, just anyway, to throw it a little bit. But I didn't. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's my favorite so far. I'm going to put buckwheat because I have no idea what that was. This is five. Five. Man, maybe pumpkin. I'm going to go pumpkin for this. Ooh. I like it. Interesting, it does throw the taste a bit of the tea. It doesn't go well with it's tea? It's all right, but it, it, that sweetness is coming through. I haven't got sunflower written down anywhere yet. Needed. So number six. Whoa, this one's a crazy colour. It's got a green tinge to it. It has got a green tinge. I wonder what that one could be. Sunflower. Am I nailing it? <laughs> what colour are sunflowers? Sunflower seeds. Okay. I like it in coffee. Oh, it's pumpkin. Hey! Oh, of course. <laughs> it's fine. It's good. It's fine. It's fine. Above the line. And again, it's perform- they're all performing well. This one does not, I've got to be honest, look too appetising. 
it's, I'm with you there. It's separated it's and it's a milky. Weird as all hell. It's like a milky water, you know. Yeah. It doesn't look great. Yeah, I reckon because you do you do want. I reckon this is rice. Cheers. Cheers. It tastes like water. It does, eh? It does. Looks terrible in the tea. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. It tastes fine because it just tastes like water. It hasn't really added. Yeah, but I like. You like the milk to kind of like undercut the milk to the, do the thing. Yeah. yeah, I do. No, no good not for a me. Fan. No. I'm putting Waveney is not a fan. Okay. Now the fun bit. We get to do the reveal. So for the first one, I had picked rice. And you had said, this was the one that you said tasted sprouty. It's buckwheat. Ah, that makes sense for the sprouty um, yeah. sort of flavour, I what guess. What did we then. say about the taste? We said it was all right, didn't we? Yeah, I think you said you didn't mind it. Didn't mind it. You said. Number two? Number two, I guessed oat for this one. Sunflower. Ah, that was sunflower. Did we like it? Um, but weird. But weird. Sunflower, but weird. Number three? Cashew is what I put, and you put tasty for this one. <laughs> Oh, it's oat. Hey, that's great. What a win for oat. Stoked. Cheaper, more environmentally friendly. Oh, thank goodness. Fantastic. I was so frightened it was going to be one of the ones I hated. Right. Oh, oat. Yes. The unsung champion. And number four, which is the one that we liked. Okay, I had put buckwheat, but that was out of pure confusion. Uh And you said good and not settling. It's cashew. Cashew. Okay. Yeah. You Mm. loved it. I did. I loved it. And rightly so. It's very expensive. It's very creamy. It looks like milk. It looks like milk. Number, oh, well. Number five. Well, three is a victory. Waffles. Yes, three is a victory. Number five, I thought it was pumpkin. You said good for this one also. This is almond. Almond. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Well, that's good. Because it's not, you know, we weren't saying it was the best or whatever. It didn't but it win is your heart of, yeah, in spite of, of it being more, wildly yeah. popular. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. All right. Uh, um, number six. six. So I put sunflower for this, which we know it isn't. It is pumpkin. Right. You okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it was one end. of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I got one. pumpkin afterwards. Yep. And so I'm pretty sure I'm, I think I'm right on this one. Number seven. Is. Is. D. Rice. Rice, yeah. yeah. You can tell just by looking at it. It's not a winner. But I was thinking about it. Um, to be fair, something like a pumpkin or a sunflower seed, they're very, very standard. Rice has a huge variety. And That's I didn't true. know anything about which rice grain to pick, which would be the best one. In summary. In summary, it's got to be said. What was number three again? Um, Blimmin' Oat is a hero. Let's, let's just check out. Yep. Number three, Oat. Can I go that How to Save the World podcast is endorsing oat? Yes. Based on environmental profile and taste. Yes. And cost. Yes. Or it ticks oh, all three don't boxes. I love that. I love the triple one. That's good. So, whereabouts can we get our sustainably sourced local grown oats wave? You can head along to your local organic shop and just buy organic. Nice and easy. If you really want to be super awesome and get some gold stars um try and find farmers in new zealand growing oats and we have them that's a crop that actually grows naturally very very well in canterbury um and you can order online from new zealand bio grains um and others uh it's always a bit random what you know you end up finding um and I came across a store, an online store called The Nut Store, and they try their very best to 
source New Zealand organically grown. They have a range of things. Um, and they are selling pumpkin seeds, hazelnuts, and walnuts that are all New Zealand grown. Oh, wow. Mm, mm. So check out the nut store. Um, and oh, yeah, I mentioned... Uh, so Ceres Organic is a brand, a big brand that um, mostly when you're going into an organic shop, you'll be buying that brand um, if, if it's like the big, um, the big boys type thing. Um, so you can look out for them. And there are a, quite a few hazelnut growers in New Zealand actually as well. Wow. Um, which, you know, I didn't we know didn't that. include in the review. And then, of course, if you're wanting to get it cheaper, you can do the organic food co-ops, um, which you've got one locally at Kalmana. Um, but the best way to, if you don't know where they are um, or how to connect with them, I think try on Facebook, put in food co-op and your, you know, a place name, whether it's a town or suburb or whatever. Okay, so we've learned all about our different plant milk alternatives. We've done our taste test, and now it's time to figure out how to make it at home. Yes, so we're going to do a quick demo. Cool. And oh, So we're going to do a quick demo. And um, I asked you which one you wanted to try. This was before the taste test because I had to soak them in advance, and you said sunflower seeds. Mm-hmm. So that's what we've got. We are pouring our sunflower seeds into the blender. We've just got a little, uh, what are they called, Nutribullet, but whatever you use to do food processing, if you got one of these, that's what you need. Quarter of a cup of pre-soaked sunflower seeds mm-hmm. and one cup of water. So four to one. Yep, four to one. That is our ratio. That is awesome. And that is it. That's it. That's it. That didn't take long. No, that's it. It <laughs> took about 15 seconds. Yeah. Wow. That's super quick. And then we've got our sunflower seed milk. Yeah, it is. It's done. Mm. It smells very... Um, it actually looks really nice when they're first done. They're all yeah. creamy and fresh. Yeah, that's actually a good shout. If you drank this now, like if you're making it in the morning while you're doing your coffee or your tea or whatever, that's got to be the tastiest way to mm. be consuming mm. this stuff. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Easy peasy. Cheers. And then if you really, um, I'll let you know, all the stuff online says use a cheesecloth, but um, either choose something you don't really need it. Oh, like do you want the, to say what a cheesecloth is? Oh. It's just that, so what it is, it's like a bag. It's that's like a bit just, of muslin or something. Yeah, it is. It's just like a cotton bag that you put the um, everything through, the liquid and the pulp, and then you can squeeze it. So all the liquid comes out, but all of the pulp matter mm. of the seeds or the nuts that you're using stays trapped in the bag. And all it is is it's just removing um, anything that's not liquid yeah. from the milk so that it's all, you know, perfectly uniform. Yes, and, and, and it's finer than a sieve, um, yeah. which means that it's harder to push through and you're taking more out. So I actually quite like using a sieve yeah. because that way you're kind of compromising. It flows through really easy. You've got it at home. Everyone's just got it lying around. It's really easy to clean. The old cheesecloth can be a bit of a pain to clean and um, not everybody has one. And that pop's got good nutrients oh, in it. That's like and, where all the good stuff and is, really. I think really. it makes it perform better personally, if you don't mind, just a, a few dregs in the bottom sometimes, mm-hmm. depending on what type of seed or nut or legume or whatever you've used or grain. Um, but yeah. if, you, if you're picky or you've got picky friends, you can get um, one of these cheesecloths and just run yeah, it through that, and right. it's super easy. You really just squeeze it into mm. your container. Fantastic. 
That's us. That's it. We're done. Thank you so much, Wave. Thank you, Tim. I am switching to 100% oat milk now. Yeah. Oh, what a win for oat milk. Yeah, so go awesome. Milk. So fun. And um, I'll see you in a couple of weeks, and we will be in Christmas mode. Absolutely. Stay tuned, everybody, because if you haven't done your Christmas shopping yet, this will be the episode for you.